sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk. And indeed, this is the third day in a row of Locked on Mizzou, but you know what? Like Quinn Snyder seeking out Michael Porter Jr. in a switch with Donovan Mitchell, I am nothing if not absolutely relentless. So, Speaking of Michael Porter, we're going to talk about, well, frankly, what has become the only defensive scheme that it seems like anybody wants to play in the NBA, and that's switching. Yes, I want to talk about switching toward the end of this show, but first, lots of basketball talk, including what does Eli Drinkwitz think about the possibility of players from the now-canceled Pac-12 and Big Ten football programs from this fall is there any possibility that Missouri could pick up some transfers from any of those schools, particularly in the graduate market? Well, we'll discuss that and lots of other Missouri stuff, including more sound bites from Eli. But first, I want to lead with something a little bit more in the macro sense. And that is, according to Peter Thamel, a national beat writer of college football, his sources are telling him that the NCAA Division I Council will decide that fall sports, student-athletes, any of them, whether that's football, anything in the fall, if you compete in any amount of competitions this year, any amount of games, in other words, zero or full, anything in between, it will not count as a season of eligibility. Now, this does still need to be approved by the NCAA Board of Governors Tomorrow, today's Thursday, as we talk, so on Friday they would need to approve this. But you know what? My first reaction to this, number one, you can understand where the NCAA's head is on this whole topic. They want to be fair. They don't want to steal away a limited four-year opportunity from anybody. But at the same time, are we not screwing current high school kids even harder than we have already? Because as I've discussed before, you think about, you know, just as an example, I've used Tyler Macon, a quarterback who's at East St. Louis, verbally committed to play for the Tigers. Well, he just won his state title his junior year. And now basically, since his season, Illinois has been postponed until the spring, he's going to have a tough decision on his hands whether to play out his senior year or enroll at Mizzou early, as was always the plan. Well, it's even worse if you're not Tyler Macon, if you're not an Elite 11 quarterback type prospect. Maybe you're a kid who's on the fringes of D1 recruiting. Maybe you're on the fringes of a Power 5 offer, and you really could use this senior season or even this junior season. Lots of guys end up deciding before or after their junior seasons lately. So if you don't have that, if you don't have that film, that high school film, to put out there for everybody, well, that's really, really putting you behind the eight ball. And if you just think about high school kids, obviously they develop at a much different pace. Frankly, you know, I can think about some of my high school teammates were, you know, they had armpit hair when they were in seventh grade. And some of us like me, when we were seniors, well, we barely had any muscle definition whatsoever. So in other words, these kids who are late bloomers, well, Like a Denario Alexander, for instance, who was a late bloomer in terms of growing, in terms of height. Well, these kids, 
you're really screwing them over even further. Not only are you not getting their film, but how is this going to play into scholarship limits too? See, that's the thing that has I've seen yet to be discussed by any of these sources out there. If we're going to still have the same scholarship limit, well then there's obviously going to be fewer spots. But even if you do enhance the scholarship limit by the amount of extra guys that you have, well, even still, the younger guys are looking at, okay, so now another extra year of me sitting on the bench potentially. I don't know. It just doesn't seem all that fair. And and more importantly, or just as importantly, I should say probably, it seems to create more problems than it actually solves. Because, again, the one thing it's trying to solve is, okay, we don't want some kid who may have a, a grandparent who's vulnerable or who may have some relative who is in some way more vulnerable to this coronavirus thing. We don't want, because of that, for them to miss an entire season of their career. I understand that, but, again, that's one problem. And we've now, to me, we've created, if, we, if this ends up being approved by the NCAA Board of Governors on Friday – We've now created a whole mess, a whole cornucopia of problems on top of this. So, as always, you got to be very careful in life to make sure that the solution is not actually worse than the problem. Also, another rumor floating around is that considering that the NBA so far, the bubble, it seems, has done a pretty good job of containing positive tests for coronavirus and in light of that it seems like the NCAA college basketball is looking very hard at using Orlando as sort of a bubble type setting with multiple early season college basketball tournaments that previously would be all over the country Hawaii notably the Maui Invitational but all over the place certainly outside of the country in the Caribbean too various other places Paradise Island but it looks like all of those tournaments, there's a decent possibility we could see them moved to, again, a bubble-like scenario in Orlando. So just something interesting to watch there. But at the same time, you do wonder if that is going to be as effective as the NBA thing. Again, just multiple teams from you know different conferences sort of spits in the face a little bit of this idea that, well, the SEC-only football schedule is going to be more safe. I've questioned that a little bit, at least in terms of the actual real-life impact of that. It's one thing to say it's a little bit safer, but to what degree would be my question. So again, if that's the case, if I'm supposed to buy into that, well then, it seems like maybe this college basketball, hey, let's fly everybody to Orlando thing, you know, again, this is all sources, it's rumors at this point. Maybe they're just banding these ideas about, but I don't know. It seems like... Maybe having multiple bubbles and multiple geographic locations may make more sense. But again, I don't know. To me, not a whole lot makes a lot of sense in our society at this very moment. But getting back to football, Eli Drinkwitz did try to make sense of what a potential transfer market would look like for Missouri involving those Pac-12 and Big Ten players. But first, I do want to... Tell you all once again about rockauto.com. Because rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds 
of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they'll know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So I saw somebody online on one of the message boards out there in Mizzou land was asking, gee, what about all these Big Ten players and Pac-12 players, especially the guys who are seemingly not happy about their their season being canceled and wanting to get out there on the field? Hey, Mizzou has a quarterback competition. What if Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, one of the two favorites for the Heisman Trophy, along with Trevor Lawrence, what if he were eligible to transfer and play for the Tigers immediately? Well, first of all, I would imagine that Mr. Fields might shoot a little bit higher than Missouri. I hate to say it again as one of the two leaders for the Heisman going on this year, but more importantly, according to Coach Drinkwitz, he said, quote, right now, adding more players would not be a possibility for us, even if somebody wanted to transfer, unless they were willing to walk on. So we all know that Missouri has certainly had to pare its roster down a fair bit. We've seen you know, some somewhat prominent players like wide receiver Cam Scott has chosen to transfer. Well, and part of that is because Missouri doesn't have an 85 scholarship limit. We're still on probation from a couple years ago. The whole Yolanda Kumar, the, the tutor deal. Well, indeed, Missouri down to 81 scholarships. So it's safe to say that, if anything, they're looking – They'd love to add better pieces, obviously, but if anything, they've had to pare down their roster maybe even a little bit more than they wanted to. And you know what? As I quickly glance down at my soundbite roster here, let's double back to high school recruiting for a second in this COVID-19 world because I thought Eli Drinkwitz, following Wednesday's workout with the Tigers, had some interesting comments about that. So let's hear those right now. That those are the young men that I feel the, the worst for about this situation um, because there's not a really a good answer for that. There's no way to really evaluate um, any type, type of tape. Um, there's no film to evaluate. We didn't have them on campus for camps. So I, I really don't have a great answer. We're doing the very best we can with the information we have, with their junior tape, what they put on film and whatever they can show us. Um, but, but, you know, that, that, that's, that's the real challenge. Um, and we can't even have them on campus now to at least get a physical evaluation of them. So it's a real challenge for us, and I'm not sure there's there's really a lot of answers out there for that. So that was pretty simply and well said by Eli there at the end. It stinks. And certainly it does stink from him, for him and just his whole coaching staff from just an evaluation perspective and certainly makes his first year on the job all that much more challenging. But I think what he was really getting at is what I was getting at earlier. And this just really stinks for any high school junior or senior who may be 
again, on the cusp of a Division One offer, Power 5 offer, SEC offer, maybe the offer for your dream school that you've been holding out for. Well, now for a lot of guys, that has just been taken away from them. And what strikes me is I thought Eli was really honest about the whole thing, just basically admitting that this is new territory and he doesn't think that anybody has any great answers right now. Now the reality is, is in retrospect, in a few years from now, when the whatever this this high school class is going to end up being, the most primarily recruited guys. Of course, there's going to be different guys here, but let's say the 2022 class, just for for the sake of discussion. That class, say in 2025, when we have three years to actually evaluate who's gotten on the field and who's been productive, that's usually a good enough amount of time because if you're not going to get on the field by the time you're a senior, it's probably not going to happen. So what I'm saying is, ultimately, there are going to be winners or losers from this period. It may be totally random in some ways, but I absolutely believe that there are going to be some people who figure out how to recruit and hit a higher percentage of guys. Again, you can get four-star recruits, but it's one thing to have a four-star recruit from high school. It's another thing for that guy to perform like a four-star player on Saturdays. And I just think, again, the less time that's out there, and clearly we're having a tiny, tiny bit of time for recruiting evaluations here, and and in some cases, none. If Illinois, for instance, is canceling their whole season, well, you're not going to see a lot of these guys in the spring because they're going to say the heck with it. And then on the other hand, there's going to be guys who maybe wouldn't have done it, who decide to do it anyway, then get injured. To me, it's just, again, it's another situation that's just creating a lot of problems, without a doubt. Now, later in his press conference, his Zoom conference, I guess I should say, Yesterday, Eli Drinkwitz was asked about how he felt Missouri's offensive line was performing in camp so far this year compared to how they looked on film last season. Yeah, I don't know anything about last year. I didn't watch last year's tape. Haven't watched our offense. Haven't put anybody on tape and said, I'm going to see what they did last year. Last year was last year. This is this year. I've got fresh ideas, fresh perception. Whatever anybody does now is what they do now for me. So I don't know what they were asking them to do within their scheme. I don't know what they were coached to do. So I can't make a true evaluation of that. I evaluate them on what they're doing right now. So I have no idea if they were up and down, excellent, whatever. Doesn't, doesn't phase me a bit. Today, right now, as a collective group, we're still trying to figure out who our best five are going to be. And we've got to identify those as soon as we possibly can so that they can learn to work as a unit. And we're not there yet, so we got some work to do. You know, I've always been hesitant, for me personally, to evaluate offensive linemen. And what Eli said just then actually totally validated that opinion. And I will continue to not evaluate offensive linemen. Because it's one thing with quarterbacks and receivers, you, ha- you get an idea of their physicality. And just, okay, this guy can really adjust to the ball in the air, for instance. He comes out of his breaks really hard. He runs good routes. That's stuff you can see at the receiver position. I like to see if a quarterback keeps his eyes down the field when he's under pressure, for instance. But when it comes to offensive line, like Eli said, I don't know who this guy's even supposed to be blocking half the time. 
I don't know what the scheme is. I don't know if he's supposed to block this guy for a second, double team, then get to his other man. I don't know if maybe it looks like this guy missed his assignment, but it may have been his teammate who missed the assignment. That stuff is really hard to evaluate. And I just pointing out that while I like to speak out of my, I like to uh, talk out of both sides of my mouth is maybe what I'm trying to say here. But no, really, while I am as opinionated as a sports fan can be, I'd like to think I know what I don't know too. And well, thank you, Eli, for for validating what I clearly do not know. But here's what I do know, and that is that Built Bar is back, and it is even more delicious-er than ever. Hey, don't blame me. They put that in the copy. But seriously, though, Build Bar, just a great company. On top of their 12 original flavors, they have six brand-new flavors. And I want to tell you about one of those brand-new flavors, the cookies and cream. Now, if this sounds too good to be true, hey, I don't blame you. And you know what? It does have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs, but compare that to a Snickers bar or something similar. And plus, the 17 grams of protein that they pack into this thing, come on. If that's not bro code for a keto-friendly awesome snack, I don't know what is. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, Locked on, and you'll get $10 off your very next order. Again, that's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. A couple more Eli sound bites I want to share with you on this here show. And the first one is well, there's been some talk of how Eli does not let new players have an actual jersey number until they've earned it. Well, Eli decided to expound upon that a little bit and explain that policy yeah they get in the team they get in the team meeting in front of the team i mean they know what their assigned number is everybody's got an assigned number but they just have a blank jersey until they earn the ability to put that number on the jersey so i just thought that was interesting to note that the guys actually already have an assigned number it's sort of a in a fait accompli eventually you're gonna get the number kid but you just have to Make a good block, make an excellent catch, run a perfect route, whatever it might be. So, I don't know. Maybe we all made too much of the jersey thing, don't you think? And finally, Eli was asked about how his running backs, Tyler Beatty and Larry Roundtree, are looking so far in this new system. Yeah, I think Larry's done a really nice job picking up our schemes, uh, understands, you know, the way this the plays are designed and where to stick his foot in the ground, and he really trusts it, which is nice. And Tyler presents a lot of versatility for us. And, and uh, if people know um, our history on offense with with just all of our coaches. We 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 pride ourselves in making sure that our running backs are versatile and try to create mass mismatches uh, with people on the field. And so um, that's that's going to be fun. I happen to be a huge fan of versatile running backs who can catch the football, especially in this modern pass-heavy age. And it seemed like Eli was hinting that might, that might be his preferred type of player as well. So it be interesting to see what Eli manages to do with Tyler this year and also what he does with Larry Roundtree as well. And speaking of Roundtree and Tyler Beatty, you know, Eli, one of the first things he talked about when describing his offense – 
is that he wanted a dominant downhill running type game. And, you know, it does seem like just about every coach is going to say something similar to that when they take a new job. But, you know, it did get me to thinking, just philosophically in terms of what kind of runner I or you wouldn't anybody would like to have. Basically, it comes back to the old argument from when I was a kid. Would you rather have Emmett Smith or would you rather have Barry Sanders? Now, the pro-Barry Sanders people would always argue that, oh, well, you know, if Barry had the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, if he could run behind Emmett Smith's offensive line, well, then he would be unstoppable. But really what it gets down to, to me, just in terms of philosophy, whether you, what do you think about those two individual players or not? Would you rather have the consistent move the chains, move the ball forward, push the pile ahead kind of guy? Or would you rather have the guy who maybe takes a a decent amount of losses but can pop for a big 50, 60, 70-yard touchdown run and in his time like Mr. Barry Sanders? Well, to me, it's the former, not the latter. I would actually rather have the guy who moves the chains. And not just the guy, of course, because it's really impossible to separate a running back from his offensive line. So just a running game in general. I Just give me the consistency. If I'm going to hand the ball off, I absolutely cannot stand when I lose yardage on run plays. It's just the worst. Because guess what? Pass plays on average pick up twice as much yardage, maybe more than a running play. So if you're going to lose yardage on a running play, well, you might as well have taken the chance on getting a sack. That's how I look at it. And frankly, if I can just if I can get those third and two, third and three plays with the run consistently, I'm happy. In fact, I'm thrilled. That's all I really need from my running game is to just consistently move forward and most importantly of all, pick up short yardage in third and fourth down situations. If I can do that, I'm not only happy, I'm giddy. I love every second of it. And you know what? I meant to get to some basketball here, including my rant on switching in general. Just the over-reliance on switching, in my humble opinion. Well, you know what? We'll push that to next week, give you something to look forward to. So, until next time, I am John Miller, and thank you very much for listening to Locked on Mizzou.